Are you in the creative industry and sometimes you feel that your creativity is running out? Or do you sometimes feel that the ideas coming to your head are very normal and usual? Well, on the second part of the three-part series of The Disrupt Show with Samantha Bhadra, he talks about how you can revive your creativity and bring in a new sense of zeal in your campaigns. Hi, hi Marshad Bhai and you're listening to The Disrupt Show. Now, I really like uh, what you said that in the corporate setting, you just uh, got this band and everyone went goo goo gaga. And I think um, one one major element in that happening is is the surprise element um, that you brought in because you were you were you you brought in the weird element into it. And this leads me to my next question. And you know, this is what I'm observing in in, in a lot of things that are happening in our lives. You know, I think there is a sort of templatization of life that is happening. If you go to YouTube, there'll be a thousand videos about the perfect morning routines, and um, there'll be there'll be a thousand videos of how successful people uh, do their uh, I mean, go about their day and things like that. So, so you know, somewhere there is that that surprise element is just disappearing from our lives. So, so do you think with this templatization of life that is happening we run the risk of losing individual creativity and weirdness absolutely and that is literally what i don't really quite understand half of the time i mean you know i mean um you know i i've had so many peers and friends over the years keep on talking about how you know you know during a lunch break somebody will end up saying you know uh hey you know uh you know i have this thing about where you know i, I have this dream of building this or I really want to go out there and do something like this. Or, you know, back in the day, I used to love doing this. I've just lost touch with it, you know. And then we have the conversation and then all of us move on with our lives. You know, while everybody feels this, I think this is a pretty obvious element. Everybody knows and everybody feels. But this just for various reasons. I mean, I'm not making a judgment here. For various reasons, as individuals, as a community, we're just not able to untemplatize ourselves as much as we would like to, you know? And I think that is at the core of all of it, you know? And as far as marketers are concerned, I mean, you know, you know, templatization to a particular degree is fine. But when you're in the initial part of your career, you know, the initial 20, 30, 35% maybe of your career, you get templatized very easily if you start your life off in a very comfortable comfortable environment with everything in place for you to work with. You know, and that templatization is something I feel that all of us as marketers have a personal responsibility, you know, to stay aware of. No one's going to come and tell us. It just happens in the background. And before you know it, you realize, oh, you know, something's up. I'm not, I'm not driving the kind of impact I had set out to drive, you know, and it's kind of, I mean, at a larger life level also, right? When you go, you know, you, you grow older, you end up looking up, looking back on the years and having a bunch of regrets. It's kind of like a loose analogy of the same, but at a marketing level, I mean, that's probably where, you know, I mean, as marketers, we have a responsibility to, uh, to untemplatize ourselves, not to us, not only for ourselves, but for the larger good of marketing as is. Now, I, I want to refer back to, um, the Titan campaign because I found it 
extremely refreshing. And one thing that I found really amazing about that, it it was not only weird, but also meaningful and something that you already uh, said in the beginning. And you have mentioned this so beautifully on your company website as well. Um, and and you, you have described your company as a place where weird meets meaningful. And I found that to be very, very beautiful. Uh, so what does this sentence mean? Because to anyone reading this, it's it seems like an oxymoron, right? So, what is what is the essence of this sentence? Because it's succinctly put, it's so beautiful. How did you come up with this sentence? So, oh, I mean, thank you so much for the kind words. Uh, the, I mean, the sentence really is what I was talking about initially, right? I mean, the idea was always there that we wanted to kind of be weird. That we wanted to always we wanted to the sound exists with only one particular purpose to make marketing. To, to kind of jig up marketing, to, to kind of jerk, you know, jerk this person called marketing and say, hey man, come out of your stupor. Hey man, come on, wake up already, right? It's kind of trying to shake things up and kind of try to see if it's possible to do anything at all out of marketing. If it's possible to refresh the way we look at, you know, how we do paid ads, the way we look at PR, the way we look at, you know, competition analysis, the way we look at social media, any of it, right? Uh, and this very itch, this very need, this very desire, uh, you know, um, kind of ensure that, you know, weirdness is at the very core of what the sound stands for. And also the very same, same time, weirdness for the sake of weirdness doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. I mean, today, if uh, if a creative needs to go out with just, which says, you know, um, 40% off, or, you know, on these products, you know, one day flash sale, go get your stuff or whatever. If you have to go live with a creative like that, you go live with it. No problem at all. You know, you you you, you do what you have to do for today's creative. In today's creative's context, it's important. It's efficiently done. It's, it's, it's you know, the creative is done well. The communication is good. Uh, you know, the, the post goes out on time, all of that. But tomorrow, when there is no need to put out something functional or when, you know, um, no one's breathing down your shoulders, you have, in tomorrow's case, you have a chance to come up with something interesting, right? You have a chance to do something, you know, you have a little bit of room to be a little weird, to, you know, to maybe do a bit of a brand post, to think creatively, you can venture into all kinds of areas because there's no functional post coming up tomorrow. For tomorrow, in that gap, try to be weird. Try to be weird. And this endeavor can only be done if you're really thinking from a core of being meaningful, of, of meaningfully engaging with your with your audiences. And that's what we try to kind of create, right? The whole idea really is like, if there's no point of just being hashtag rebel, and if you really want to be rebellious because it actually is meaningful to do so, you know, only then would the weirdness make sense, right? Therefore, the word meaningfulness becomes such a close companion to the word weirdness. There is almost some, it's almost as good. It's almost like a partner in crime to the idea of becoming weird. You know, it's, it's almost so rebellious that you're asking a brand to become human. It's almost so otherworldly. It's almost feels like a parallel universe that it becomes weird. You know, and from that perspective, I, I even tell my people that your biggest in social media, for example, your biggest competitors are not the social media handles of other brands. Your biggest competitor are the friends of that particular user that that person is, you know, 
you know, just casually DMing at 11 p.m., lying on the bed, half drowsy, just scrolling through Instagram with, you know, with half a mind and just kind of liking a friend's post about somebody traveling somewhere, DMing somebody else, ha-haing on somebody's story, you know. Those posts, those people are your actual, so to say, quote-unquote competitors. I mean, you know, from a technical angle, you know. Um, and is it possible for you as a social media manager to get some screen time with that person during that hour? Today, if you think about saying that, hey, you know, how do you make somebody lovingly DM Dove Shampoo's Instagram handle? You know, for example, it sounds like a laughable joke. It sounds like what the hell it, of course it won't happen. But that is how far removed we've become when it comes to the idea of meaningfulness. Of course, you wouldn't lovingly DM Dove Shampoo or like a, uh, you know, you know, insurance companies, Insta handle on a Friday night or whatever, right? Because that's how far removed we are from how brands converse, uh, you know, on social media and how as humans we interact with other humans on social media. And if it's possible, if it's possible to make marketing meaningful again, you know, we want to be the ones driving that, you know, driving that baby. We want to be the ones kind of trying to see, we want to be the ones who try to see if it's possible to make marketing meaningful again. If it's possible to go from a brand to human to a human to human conversation. And while we attempt to make marketing meaningful again, in, the, in that course, in that attempt, we work towards making marketing weird again. You know, and that is, that is why when you enter the website, you see two people kissing, right? I mean, yeah. that's just an example of what we set up. And we've got various kinds of reactions on that, right? Yeah. People are like, hey, this, is, this shouldn't be a company website. Yeah. You know, uh, this is a company website. Please act like a company. Please be prudent. Please be, etc. You know, so, you know, we that is a shock factor. That is a weirdness, meaningfulness we're talking about, you know. But then again, people do understand as soon as you scroll down a little bit, that that image is just a metaphor of where weird meets meaningful you know so it's not just an image for a shock factor the whole idea is you know where weird meets meaningful is literally what we believe in if you're on a website for just one second and then you bounce off the one thing you'll take away with you is that sentence and that has only been the that has been the only endeavor at our end and then later on we'll work with you we'll figure things out it's a long journey it's a long battle the whole idea is to kind of make this a very everyday kind of sentence you know, to just try and make marketing weird and meaningful again. You know, that's the only reason we exist. Wow, there are so many layers in what you just said. And um, this this correlates so perfectly um, to, to something I put up um, last night on, on my social media channel. So you might be aware of the golden circle, right? You know, Simon Sinek talks about it, where you start yeah, from yeah. why, uh, then you go to how and then what. Um, but but I feel for some, um, this has worked wonders for many brands, but I feel for some brands, like you said, the human connect is important. So I call it the empathy circle, where you start off with uh, answering, asking yourself, what does a brand make you feel? How does it make you feel that way? And why do you feel that way about a brand? So that is that that is that, that brings out the human connect. You you then start understanding what that brand makes customers feel, and that's what you brought out so meaningfully by being weird and meaningful at the same time. Thank you. I mean, in fact, I'd like to probably also say that there's one person I come to who comes to mind um, when you think about uh, you know using empathy as the cornerstone of driving a brand story, mm-hmm. and that's Mr. Kiran Khalap. You know, mm-hmm. he's been in the industry for so many years. I came to know him, uh, you know, when I was with a publishing house. 
and he, you know, he was, I mean, he is an author, you know, he's published a bunch of books, wonderful writer. And only after knowing him as a writer, I came to realize he is, you know, one of the, one of the doings of the marketing world at this point in time, mm-hmm. you know, and um, he runs a wonderful agency called Chlorophyll, a branding consulting company called Chlorophyll. And empathy really is at the cornerstone of everything he does, right? So he's also, uh, you know, you know, in a big way, an inspiration to me that way, you know, to see how he approaches branding, how he, how he looks at the world of branding, how he looks at the world of marketing, given his years and years of involvement in the space, you know, so what he just said, uh, it just got me, it just reminded me of Mr. Kalap, yeah. you know, and uh, how he's kind of built brands over the years. Now, uh, I have two part, two part question for you. Um, now, now we just talked about the templatization of life. You know, we have gotten comfortable by being normal and taking the path of weird is, is, is a bit uncomfortable. So, so how important is it being unco- uncomfortable with yourself and the world to enable creativity? That's the first part. And second, because you're an entrepreneur who has a team uh, that you work with, how do you inculcate this weirdness? Because it's a very uncomfortable process. How do you inculcate this weirdness even in your team? Interesting question. Uh, how to be uncomfortable with yourself? I mean, God knows. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, we always live in a state of denial, right? Yeah. At all points in time, you know, um, you know, but um a few things at a very functional level that I keep on trying regularly is, for example, um, you know, um one for, for example, one space where you constantly face this conflict is the space of learning and unlearning. Yeah. Uh, more often than not, you know, you tell yourself that, of course, I can unlearn. But chances are probably you're not unlearning as well as you think you would have. Because said biases, etc., you know, so on and so forth. So I think that whole uncomfortableness where I probably try to push it through into my gullet, push this un- sense of uncomfortableness completely into my gullet as far as it goes is basically by, you know, trying to become a better listener. Hmm. Um, Over time, I mean, I mean, it's of course a continuous process. And as you can see, I talk a lot, you know, I wasn't, (laughs) you know, I can talk, but unfortunately my, my, uh, you know, my, my, uh, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? My uh, skill. I don't know if you could call a skill, but this idea of, patiently listening and really being in the present and imbibing everything anyone has to say was something I was not extremely good at. It's been a journey since then. I'm happy to, I mean, I feel confident that I've probably made some progress on that journey and there's still miles to go. But even from that perspective, you know, um, uh, this idea of forcing myself to sit down, shut my mouth and listen to what people are telling me mm-hmm. has kind of made me aware. Oh, Okay. Shit, it's good that I actually uh, spent five seconds not talking when I had the urge of speaking because I just realized that this person had had a new perspective. Yeah. And more often than not, I, I see that with my team. Most of my team members are, you know, in terms of work experience, that age old metric are, you know, much have much lesser number of years of work experience than me, mm-hmm. you know, even then. When I just sit quietly and watch them converse and debate and discuss, or you know, watch a conversation happening on happening on a WhatsApp group, etc., I learn so much from them. You know, and I'm astounded that wow, I mean, this is amazing. This is really nice. Or let's say somebody has made a document, 
you know and when i'm going through it you know even before giving feedback on it or, or anything or when they actually present the document to me over a call or over a meeting or whatever you know my eyes start popping up you know like i was like wow that's a brilliant idea that's a yeah. very good way of thinking you know and i i realized over time that that unlearning process has been very slow for me in the past and just now that we are we entered a third year of existence as a sound i can see that probably since last year onwards till now there's been a lot that my team has taught me that i've learned a lot from my clients i learned a lot lot from our you know from the team from the larger ecosystem just by probably being staying quieter for 5 seconds longer than i would have typically been before that you know and i would say that's where i've of course been of course been feeling i of course feel very uncomfortable in the process that goes without saying but it's like yeah. kind of pushing yourself to not talk and if you don't talk when somebody else is speaking chances are something interesting might happen you know one in three cases one in two cases you know and that's what's kind of been happening that is just one that there are multiple other spaces i can talk about but this was the first thought that came into my mind when you yeah. said how do you keep yourself uncomfortable right mm-hmm. uh, as far as my team is concerned you know um frankly i mean it's really when i say a team what is a team it's a mix of it's a set of individuals with their own idiosyncrasies right um uh, somebody loves uh, art somebody loves cars somebody loves you know uh solo tripping somebody loves this somebody works in this style somebody works in that style so um all i basically try to do with the team is essentially is whenever they're working on a plan whenever they're working on you know some idea or a pitch or a this or a that the first thing if it's a little cliched the first thing i go and ask them is okay cliches are not bad at all but the fact that you presented this idea which is a little usual on the more usual side can you give me a logical context okay these are the 10 things we've observed uh, you know this is the kind of consumer behavior we've observed this is the kind of compet- things that we see the competitors doing this is the kind of data we found through secondary research or primary research or etc etc based on all of this therefore we think that even though this idea is a bit usual it will work wonders for us if you have that reasoning cool and if the reasoning is sound fine but more often than not you know when my team comes back and says hey oh you know we just thought that this would actually be pretty interesting you know we think that uh, you know this might be a very interesting thing to pursue and if there's not much of a logical context to it my immediate question will be why so right i mean i'll keep on asking like why then what was the reason behind coming up with this idea in the first place yeah and more often than not and this is something that as a client we should be doing more with agencies agency should be doing more with their own people agency should be asking even the client because even clients come with so many preset biases right when they start giving advice and feedback you know why so why do you want the logo to be smaller you know what is the reasoning behind it so on and so forth so that why that that, that this element of asking why is a very is is at a very high frequency within the team so much so that we have around we have tons of iterations before anything goes out to a client before anything important goes out to a client because we will not send something to a client until the why has been answered very emphatically so 
through this process of asking why through this process of kind of pushing everybody making everybody feel uncomfortable man dude you know i've never been asked so many why in my previous organization what is this <laughs> yeah. you know? so no come on and like i i need to move on to the next pitch okay you know so i mean by asking and pushing us and now the whole team has kind of inculcated this idea because they, they know that this is the company philosophy this is the reason why we exist you know what's eventually happened is over time with every passing day i can see a distinct change and a push towards trying to be towards this idea of weirdness mm. I, i mean i've just been talking about the theory of it but i see tangibilization of it as we move forward a bunch of it has been tangibilized before in you know in the past projects and i see more of it happening now without my own personal intervention at all points in time which used to be the case before and that is for me the me- measure of you know incremental success that i feel has been helping us out a lot you know by constantly pushing ourselves and our own team by you know by i keep on telling them at in every call where's the itch i need the itch to come alive i don't see the itch here right and by itch i'm simply mean to say for example if you look at edtech brands till recently we were handling an edtech brand mm-hmm. all edtech brands small to big will always put out a creative if it's a paid ad you know with a caucasian woman smiling to the camera holding a bunch of books <laughs> or a man wearing a blazer bent over a computer <laughs> oh you know and i'm like everybody from the big edtech players to the small edtech players everyone's doing that and there's like crowded information five features of the course you're trying to sell and then you have three apply now buttons and it's just a mess yeah and more often than not and you know the first time my uh, creative team actually made a creative for that particular brand they came up with a similar creative and this i'm talking about let's say a year back from now you know and the immediate process of questioning and unlearning and relearning was exactly what i've just been speaking about and at the end of the day you know we came up with for, for, for example a cheeky text based creative mm-hmm. with no images in it but like a contrasting color kind of mechanism you know with a large font sized text based creative where we said you know i don't remember the exact wording or the exact copy at this point in time but it was something like if you take up a postgraduate program in this research you know you wouldn't ever need to consult google again something of that sort you know yeah. like you know you wouldn't need google if you if you enrolled for a for a postgraduate program in this you know so it was just kind of like a cheeky take on google because it's all about research and you know we all jump onto google for any kind of research mm-hmm. so that was just a simple creative just taking a bit of a cheeky dig you know and kind of putting out a creative like that and that gave us great click throughs because it was just one sentence you know it was very easy to read it had a color palette that was very vibe that, that vibed with the instagram what works in instagram and it was very clutter free it had a clean cta you know learn more you know and it had a very good and it had a well optimized landing page that i must say we we are iterated on the landing page and it was well optimized so from that perspective that creative gave us you know pretty good returns at that point in time you know so from that perspective um this is just a small example right uh, you know by kind of pushing ourselves by asking ourselves each other all the time why 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 we were able to kind we are able to kind of come up with things that probably other tech campaigns are not asking themselves given the kind of creatives and ads we see out there today and that th- therein lies our mini you know success that is exactly what we were aiming for and we were able to deliver it and we kind of chipping away and building on that as we go forward. Hi guys. 
If you like what you heard and want to hear more such stories, then do subscribe to The Disrupt Show, where I speak to young media professionals about the disruptions they're creating in the industry. Oh, 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 oh